trigger warning here, we do mention some sensitive topics during the episode, so please take care of yourself. I would like to acknowledge that the Teach Reach podcast is operating on the unceded traditional territories of the Matsky, Kwantlen, Ketsi, and Semihamu First Nations. Growing up on ancestral territory of the Taino people, and now as an uninvited guest on Turtle Island, I recognize the immense impact that the land has had on me. The land has taught me respect, reciprocity, reverence, humility, and responsibility. Through indigenous knowledges, I learned that the land carries stories, histories, medicine, and gifts that enable us to reflect and connect with ourselves and our communities. As a stories-focused podcast, I understand the value of investigating place and space to grapple with real-world issues. I seek to support the ways that indigenous peoples are using to protect their land and communities. It is my intention to continue learning how to properly honor and care for the place where I live. Welcome to Teach Reach, a podcast to explore human connections through shared stories. Stories are what we store in the vault of our heart. Through them, we are exposed to a variety of voices to understand the narrative that shape our communities. We are all stories, those we know, those we live through, those we fabricate, and those we wish to deconstruct. We are not always at the center of those stories. We teach, you reach. Hey Tungi, tell me about Amir. Amir Kaligi is a teacher, speaker, men's coach, founder, and lead facilitator at Embodied Masculine. He has over 20 plus years of working with men. Um, and during this conversation, we we dived on what does it mean to embody masculine energy? What does it mean to intertwine masculine energy and feminine energy? We talked about shadow work, um, father wounds. It's overall a great conversation. And, and I really like how Amir teaches, how he goes in depth into how we can understand that thing called life through a masculine energy lens and how we have to be very, very aware of the work that we do with ourselves can spread to the greater community. So enjoy the ride, share, comment, like, subscribe. Can be like I'm always appreciative and grateful for guests taking time of their busy lives to to be with us. So so I'm very happy to have you, Amir, um, with us today at Teach Reach Podcast. Um, so I have Amir Kaligi with me from LA, but um, with um, he's a teacher, speaker, a men's coach, a leader, and facilitator at Embodied Masculine. So welcome, Amir, to Teach Reach Podcast. Again, it's a it's an honor and a pleasure. I've heard you speak on other podcasts. I've um, I've seen several clips on your social media, your 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 website. It's a it's a gold mine um, in terms of the blog post, and 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 that kind of motivated me to have you um, in on the podcast. We are an educative podcast, teacher podcast, and and I was like, that's that would be a great teacher to to have. Um, for me, my little selfish pleasure, but also to offer to my audience. So I'm deeply appreciative and thank you very much for, for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for those kind words. I really uh, uh, feel your sincerity and uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation in whatever direction you'd love to take it. That's amazing. Um, it, the the One of the reasons as well that I, I kind of like cross path with what you do and your name is, I, I joined a men's group in October um, mm-hmm. that is based here in, in Vancouver. That's called the Arca Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And and it's one of the, of the lead that has a podcast that I've been following, the Evolving Men podcast. And I saw your name oh, yeah. and I listened to the interview. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the, the, the depth 
of of knowledge and the the kindness in your words what what's what, what pulled me so um you are the lead facilitator at embodied masculine would you mind enlightening us what what is embodied masculine like the the, the words make sense embodied mm-hmm. masculine mm-hmm. however it's it's still um it can be a little bit uh, um difficult to grasp what mm-hmm. do we mean by embodied masculine mm-hmm. well first and foremost we um we are a community we are a thriving community of men that are on somewhat of a similar path and that path is to um let go of what they believed or they used to believe or they they believe uh they need in order to feel well in the world they're beginning to let go of those ideas and attachments and they are finding a path inward into shedding um the outside noise and they can become more in tuned to a deeper part of themselves in living a life more in alignment with what i believe each man um has come into the world to to do whether it is to evolve in a certain area of their soul's path or to uh play a role in um this incredible massive miraculous existence of uh of humanness and mm-hmm. each man is confronted with parts of themselves that they need to um address uh in becoming receptive to that message that lies within each man's heart mm. uh becoming receptive into this uh this note or this this uh, flavor that lives within the heart requires um somewhat of being able to not uh be distracted to have our attention continuously pulled uh collapsing into emotional states of being that we ask others to take care of we we start to become um an ecosystem almost within ourselves but yet interconnected to something greater mm. and then to start to live a life and start to craft and curate a life from that place creates a whole new paradigm of experience for men So most of the men that come into our space are coming because they're either feeling unfulfilled, they they they're going through a transition that uh, requires support or accountability of some sort. So they find their way in but they don't really quite know what the problem is. Hmm. And along this path, um and the offerings that that are birthed serve that intention of connecting men to something greater than themselves that um that is not predicated on anything outside of themselves right because the society's message is you need this uh you have to have this if you don't have this you have to look this way there's a, there there there's a paradigm at play and your best interest is not at 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 the forefront of the principles that are becoming society's norms so mm. what's happening is these other parallel structures are beginning to pop up and there is a transformation of what it means to walk this world as a man and that right. is starting that is starting to change and shift and we are playing our role in that um in that uh, evolution in that evolution mm-hmm. so when I, when the word embodied masculine you're you're living from a place not just between your ears right from the chattering mind or the or the projections we are now moving deeper we're actually returning to um the lower chakras we're moving down into the lower body uh, we are returning to the earth we are returning mm-hmm. to our mother we are returning to a birthright connection that does not need an intermediary which most religions say you need an intermediary in order to reach the state and one of and we are now starting to move in various different places and I can hone it back anytime you want <laughs> but we are we are becoming empowered within 
Mm-hmm. We we don't need an intermediary to uh, uh, connect us to a spirit that is outside of our body. That's one of the biggest atrocities that I think religion um, inflicted on humanity was the message that your connection to divinity is outside of you. It's mm. a it's a lie. Divinity mm. divinity lies within you. Right. Divinity lies within you. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I I I felt that it's also it's almost counterintuitive to we think that something greater than ourselves, but when you are when you are explaining the embodiment is kind of like a journey within, right? So so it's greater than ourselves, but by by looking or by finding or by searching that something greater than ourselves, it gets us to connect deeper within within us. Um and and it got me thinking of how would I how would we explain where the divide comes from because of the disconnection that we have between our brain and our body right that that movement within to the lower chakras as you as you put it there's kind of like a dissociation between us being rational beings and then being completely disconnected with the with our bodies how would you how would you approach that, that that's something that I'm curious about well, there many men, including myself, for many years, part of the process is an extraction from association, from mental projections, in association with our mental chatter as us. Mm-hmm. The mind is but a tool. The mind is not the self. The mind is like a pencil. We only want to use the pencil when we need to write something. I used to have a teacher that... that um, in college, he would say, you wouldn't carry a pencil across the street when you're crossing the street. You don't need the pencil to cross the street. He would, the point that he was making was becoming skilled in working with the brain instead of merging with the brain, instead of seeing it through the prism of the, of, of the chattering mind, which is where a lot of noise takes place, Right. So Mm. this capacity to be able to pull back enough to see that this thing is going to do its own thing. And it's not me. It's not me. It it is a tool in my toolbox to be able to navigate this world. I need to know how to make a left-hand turn. I need an ego to be able to survive in this world. Yes, great. But it is not all of the whole. It is not everything. And so what happens is many men become mesmerized by their own thinking and they fall into seeing life through that prism. And there is a deeper uh, place that one can uh, experience life uh, mm-hmm. separated from that Maya, we'll call it, right? from that illusion Mm. in a way where you feel your body in alignment with your Dharma, with your path, with your way and learning what that is for you and learning how to work with that (laughs) is what some would call purpose. Hmm. Right. Becoming like not fighting the, the river of your Dharma, you know, mm. I, I recently gave a talk uh, at a retreat where, and this, 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 um, Alan Watts talks about this really beautifully. You know, he talks about Dharma as this rushing river. And I've taken his talk and I've also taken some of Robert Bly's work where he breaks down the stages of the masculine in three different states, one being the stage of red to white to black. In the stage of red, a young man has all this energy and, 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 and he doesn't know how to work with it. Hmm. Okay. And you'll see that's teens, right? Teens are just fiery. They just have all this fire red energy. They just spill it everywhere. They just right. spill it unconsciously. They just walk around completely unaware. Right. right. And just right. spill it. Right. 
Right. Now, what, what, what is needed is grounded, embodied men to help regulate that energy. That's actually how young men regulate is by the presence of men who are embodied, who are in their lives, who are grounded, who are not being run by that. Just the association, not even using words, just your presence hmm. will help regulate that young man. So this, this energy can also, doesn't simply live in young men. It lives in men who have not been initiated in this life that are running the world in many ways. Right. Right. right? So they're not necessarily in alignment with their calling. They're in alignment with the world's bill of goods that we've been kind of sold, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, They're playing mm -hmm. that game. They're playing that game. In the stage of white, in the path of one's dharma, which is the middle stage, you're like, what? you start to wake up that there's something off here. Right. There's something, fuck, there's something, can I cuss on this? Uh, go, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. There's something Free. fucking, there's something fucking fishy here. <laughs> there's something off here. Hmm. And so they move into the stage of white where they, where they want to become altruistic. They want to do good in the world. They want to do good. They're mm -hmm, maturing. Mm -hmm. They're becoming aware of this river that they just don't know what to do with it. And, and they're still being kind of run by shadows that they're not aware of. Mm. Right? Right? On the spiritual path of the maturation of and the evolution of, let's call it the embodied masculine or the divine masculine or a man with, you know, that, that, that has found his calling, he moves to start to face the things that he's been avoiding his whole life. He's now willing to stand in the fire of transformation, face the things he must face in his shadows, in his limiting beliefs. And he stands in the fire of transformation to learn how to alchemize and um, ingest and integrate these shadows back. And once that starts to take place, more and more space is being created within this body, right? Mm. So there's more clarity. So the tune of where the calling is coming from becomes a little bit more tangible. It's like tuning into a small flame that you can't quite feel, but you know it's kind of there. And as the rubble begins to move out of the way in the journey, you become more sensitive to feeling it. And then you start to work with it. And then you learn how to make that small flame grow a little bit larger. And then before you know it, the flame is comforting you. The flame is talking to you. The flame is guiding you. So there is a part intrinsically connected to man that is connected to the divine. We are trying to get there. And when we get there, we become clear about our place in the fabric of life. We become aware of where our post is. What am I here to do? And it doesn't have to be grand. It can be simple. It may be simple right? about, about right. where your post is, which I have right. a, a, a you know story that I can go into. So I'm going to pull back a little bit and let you digest some of that. Because otherwise, I'll just talk <laughs> it's, for an hour. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot to, to digest, as you, as you put it. Because myself, I am a high school teacher. Mm -hmm. um, I teach between grade 8 grade eight to 12. Okay. So I, I do see that I, I'm, I'm, I'm bathing in the pool of that red energy that yes. you described and, and that flame as well. And I really liked how you put that, you know, that flame can be something that is a burning desire. And then that flame can be something that calls and comforts you. Now, how do we get to that space from to own that fire, to, to, to stand in that fire of transformation, to alchemize or, or face those shadows? Like what are, what are some, some tools that we can use? Um, um, and, and yes, there's the presence of the, of the masculine. I'll, I'll probably touch on that a little bit further. But I would like to know how do we, how do we approach that fire? Uh, um, oftentimes that fire can be, 
can be scary. Oftentimes, that fire can be um, can be <laughs> right. So, so, so because it has great potential. So, how do we how do we approach that? How do you think we ha- we've been we're missing it in society? But I'm going to see if you can pull it. Mm. What has historically the indigenous have been doing for thousands of years with their youth? They've been... At the age of 12 at, or 11, yeah. 10, 11, 12, 13, what happens? There's rituals, there's initiations. Yes. There are, yes. There are, there are patterns of, of yeah. transmitting a knowledge from, from that uh, I would consider, that, at least from, from my perspective, from what I know, they would transfer knowledge from from to to imbue the 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 youth with knowledge is anchoring that's what i would say you're absolutely right so what do they do in the middle of the night the men come into the hut of the mother the mother has the, the young boy at the age of 10 11 laying next to him and the men take the boy and the mother wails and screams. Ah, she she's in on it. She knows that this is coming. <laughs> this is not the first time initiations have happened in the tribe. Okay, right, right, right. The boy is pulled from his mother, separated, mm. torn away from his mother, immediately confronted with a challenge that, in some traditions, is very real. Right. Very potentially life-threatening that puts the boy in a situation where he needs to confront himself. Mm. Right? And he goes through this experience. And as he comes out of this experience, he is welcomed into a group of men that live from a paradigm of understanding that this life is not only about you. There are bigger responsibilities at play. And Mm -hmm. your job is to find out where you fit in the fabric of creation. And Mm -hmm. therein lies listening to your calling. Now these, when you're brought into a group of men that have already gone through that process, which we miss in this society, we don't have it. The closest things we have is the army. We have gangs and... The, the, and now these parallel structures of communities, like I run men through initiation programs. I literally take them through an initiation process in a four month period. Mm-hmm. And then we meet in the middle of nature somewhere in the world. And then we go through uh, uh, an, an initiation experience. Right. And then right. they are brought into a new fold, a new paradigm of men who have gone through that process that hold themselves, their calling, and their the way they move through the world a little differently. Mm-hmm. Right? They've mm-hmm. tuned in. They've tuned into that part. Right. Right. There is, I love the idea of initiation. And, and the ritual process, I do feel that it's something that is lacking in our common world, in our modern world. I do, however, question whether the, disappear- the, the disappearance of initiation is because we got to a point of understanding that people have to voluntarily go through something in order to get something out of it. What is your take on that? Yeah, you you get boys that are self-serving, that are uh, that do not that that buy into they they don't have a sense of community. They don't they don't make choices based on the wellness of the bigger picture or the whole. They make decisions mm-hmm. based on selfish gains and the self. <laughs> so, <clears throat> at some point. And they're welcome to go down that path. And we have a society that fosters that, that promotes that. Right. right. But let me tell you what is at the end of that road. You're going to spend your whole life chasing after riches, women, whatever you think you need in order to be happy. Meanwhile, avoiding the relationship with that subtle flame within your heart. You will come to your deathbed 
and you will kick and scream for missing the boat. You will kick and scream because time is up. Time right. is up and you will not transition in peace. You will transition in fear because you don't have that relationship to that deeper part of you that nourishes you, that guides you, that you're intrinsically a part of. We live in a society that does not foster that interconnectivity from me to my higher self and to my own understanding of the divine or God or whatever you want to call it that makes me also see that in you. That makes me relate to you in a different way, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the unconscious part of us that thinks it's only about me, uninitiated man, we'll call it, will live from a paradigm of taking what is like, I'll take what I want. I will drill into the earth unconsciously. This is a living, breathing organism that you're not standing on top of that you're intrinsically a part of, that you've forgotten that you're a part of, that gives you permission to abuse her, to mistreat her. We call her our mother, but do we treat her like our mother? And when we have lost that connection, we give ourselves permission to act that way, unconsciously inflict pain into that space. And the same thing applies with a man losing connection with his own femininity or demonizing women and, and giving him permission to do things like put burqas on them, pass laws to tell them what they can and cannot do with their bodies, cut off their clitorises, or whatever it is that they want to do to control the feminine. You will never control the feminine. The feminine will outlive you and the grass will always grow through the cement. Mm, mm, I love I, that. That's that's interesting because as you were, um, thank you for that window that you are offering our audience and myself. Um, I'm feeling inspired and and uh, um, I would say like passionate about what you what you just shared um, because I I was about to ask as well. When we are talking about energies, I, I, it's interesting that you refer to the land on which we stand as her, as mother, right? And and the place of the feminine energy within embracing a deeper masculinity. So as as we are getting to a greater gender equality in the world, how can like the embodied masculine support and complement the empowered feminine? And, and create a more balanced and and harmonious harmonious world. You touched a little bit on that, but I would like to for us to go a little bit deeper in that. How do we how do we merge those those things? Well, let's get honest. We live in a patriarchal system that is designed to satisfy men in power. It wasn't always this way. As a matter of fact, before thirty five hundred BCE. And for about 100,000 years, our society was uh, matriarchal or, or female-centric. The way we related to the feminine was not in fear and subjugation of something we could not control, right? Why do you think we try to control women so much? Hmm. Think about it. Why, why does religion demonize and uh, bring women below man? Why? That that's a great question. I I mean, there's because of fear. There's a fear. Yes. Do you, do you want to hear my opinion on why I think man is afraid of woman? I, I I am. I am fascinated by that. Yes. Okay. Our counterparts are the most powerful examples of creation that we can behold. They literally have the capacity to be a regenerative force of life through their bodies. Can we do that? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're certainly trying, but guess what? We're not. We're not. 
So when man cannot control something, when he's the reason he wants to control it is because of fear. It's the same relationship to nature. Man is disconnected from the natural world. So what does he want to do? Control it. We're literally trying to control the weather. Right, right. So the feminine is a reflection, a scent of a rose of the natural world itself. The feminine is life force energy running through our planet and deeply, fully running through women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about some, let, let me, uh, through the feminine, mostly right. through women. Right, right, right. Okay, we're not talking about gender here. We're talking about energies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? Feminine energy is anything that emanates light out of the void into reality, into our into our lives, anything we can see, light, love flows through this. This is feminine energy. What holds the whole thing, what holds it is some container, some void of something with consciousness that holds all of light. That's masculine. Now, as without, so within. We don't have to look out to explore this reality. We can go in and explore this reality. There are various practices to lead us into full immersion where we lose ourselves and we become one with all of the expression of life. That is the feminine aspect of ourselves. Masculine aspect of ourselves is anything that's associated with deepening the capacity to hold larger and larger amounts of energy, right? So the cause, the, like the, the black Cosmos is the container of the masculine, right? right. You, as a me- most men who are who on the spectrum of the feminine and masculine rest on the masculine, they they are more inclined to feel connected in a state of meditation, in a state of like letting completely, like becoming almost dead, like like pure consciousness without the body masculine feminine the light that moves inside of that as without so within so an integrated man a man that is knows the land his own landscape now and how far he can go from his the depths of the masculine to the feminine brings this brings a sense of equilibrium into this into the space he knows how to move up and down those scales And there's not just one body. There's a physical body. There's an emotional body. There's a sexual body. And there's a spiritual body. And and men and women reside somewhere on a spectrum on these lines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is not about, it's about knowing how to move up and down. It's not about constantly being in polarity. It is about knowing how to navigate one's inner uh, self, um, in this in this new way of uh uh of this inner terrain we'll say right so. right that's it's it's interesting how a how different layers there is into this approach of even understanding the feminine and the, the masculine energy um it, what i'm picking up since we've been speaking is an awareness but the awareness needs to come from a place of vulnerability. Now, in your opinion, what does vulnerability play in the in that journey that we go through towards like embodying that masculine, uh, um, recognizing the power of the feminine, and and how can we create safe spaces for yeah. for men to explore that? Because it's something that in our in our modern world that. That's even frowned upon vulnerability, and it's it's looked as as weakness. I would say paradoxically, 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 it is incredibly the most powerful way. I'll give you an example. So our society loves the predator, loves the predator energy, right? 
Like Mm -hmm. there's predator and prey. The prey is always looked upon as like, eh, the predator's like, be the predator, go get it. Like, right now we have both of those within us, but the prey is actually the more powerful one. In my opinion, a deer that surrenders its throat to a jaguar while the jaguar begins to do what it does, who is having a more, who is confronted more with a bigger challenge to, mm. to, to experience? It is the deer that is surrendering its body into, into right. life force energy. It is the deer that is surrendering and opening and, and really allowing itself to, um, to be a part of this, this cycle of birth, death and rebirth, which is what this whole thing is uh, predicated upon. And guess what? The predator will have his day too. But guess who's practicing? The prey is practicing. The energy of the prey. So to answer your question, vulnerability and receptivity are an absolute gateway to deeper understanding of our own inner terrain. And you're absolutely correct. We need to have safe spaces where men can explore such uh, extremes. A lot of what we see unconsciously um, created in the world that creates pain and suffering is from, and I'll just speak about men right now, is from is from unconscious behavior from suppressed energies that turn into shadows. Right? Shadows. It is it is unconscious. It, it the needs are being met through shadow states. Right? And there's a really great book for men called King Warrior Magician Lover, which I'm sure you're familiar with, which talks about what happens to men when they don't they're not they're not allowed to express these ener- these archetypal energies that run through the masculine they'll go into shadow states and they'll get fed in another way. Right. Mm. And then, would you mind? Yes. Sorry, I, I don't want to interrupt here, but I would like to put a little context in there. Would you mind explaining what are those shadow states and mm. those archetypal, um, mm. those archetypal en- energies, I would call mm. them those yeah. types that does the King warrior magician lover, that you mentioned, what what are they? What are those, and and how are they expressed in the in the in the masculine? Well, uh, you know, archetypal energies show themselves through myth throughout our uh, human experience, and throughout time, they 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 come through in our art, in our culture, and through myth. And Robert Bly, who uh, uh, would be probably considered the, the the father of men's work really love to use myth in, in being able to uh, bring, uh, bring about truth uh, that he was trying to convey. And uh, this book, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, was written by two union psychologists, Gillette and Moore. Um, and it is, it is founded on Jung's uh, 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 principles of the animals and the animal. So um, they basically flushed out four archetypes for what are archetypes energies that are are within the masculine whether the masculine wants to look at it or not they're there they run through us right and he says they can and look and you can spread this out and you can flush out more archetypes but these are kind of like this the kind of the main ones they flushed out one was the lover right one was the lover and they talk about the lover in its fullness of expression, and they'll talk about the shadows. And I'll go into each of these in a second. Mm. The other is the warrior. There's a there's a piece of us that is like, like if somebody comes into your cl- climbs over your fence, your lover is not going to come out. Right. Okay, your warrior is <laughs> going to come out. Right? right. If somebody wants to take something that is not replaceable, like your child, right? The lover's not coming out. The warrior's coming out. There's a part of you that just will come online, right? Mm, mm. Right. The third is the magician. The magician. So let's let's go back. 
The lover is all about interconnectivity. It's all about bringing humanity into the space. It is about art. It is about creation. It is about interconnectedness. The warrior is the one that is aware of your kingdom's boundaries. And your kingdom could be your home. It could be your organization. It could be your podcast that you're running. The warrior in you deals with shit that needs to get dealt with. Right. Right. It doesn't matter that you don't feel like it. The warrior Mm -hmm. takes care of it. If there's somebody breaching somewhere and somebody needs to be confronted, the warrior goes and deals with it. Now, how he deals with it is two different things, right? And we'll talk about shadows in a second. Mm. The magician is basically the right hand of the king. If you remember, if you remember Game of Thrones, right? Right, right, right. Right. It's the, what's his name? So he's, but it's a little bit even more than that because there is an, the magician works in this, in this outer world in knowing the technicalities of what needs, you know, he is the one that understands the system. He's the one who's educated himself. He's the one who's taken the courses. That's the outward magician. Mm -hmm. The inward Mm -hmm. magician, and both both lovers and um, warriors also have this outward and inward um, line of movement. The inward magician becomes the one who becomes familiar with his own inner landscapes. He's the one that starts to look at parts of himself that have been numb and wants to start to open those up, wants to open up parts of himself that that are repressed, is willing to navigate into spaces that he needs to work in alchemizing and becoming more available. So he does the inner work and the outer work. Now. These Gillette and Moore say there's two ways that these energies move into shadow states. One is if they are not in service to something greater than themselves, which goes back to our initiation, right? Mm -hmm. Now, greater than yourself could be your family, right? Right. There's like, could be three people is more than you. It could be your community, could be your village, it could be your your school, it could be whatever it is that you are holding as the king energy, right? Mm -hmm. If one, they are not in service to something greater than themselves, chance to go into shadow. Two, if the energy is suppressed, if the energy is not expressed and you keep pushing it down, you keep pushing it down because you don't feel safe, because no one taught you, because there were no elders to help you work with it. You, you suppress these energies. What's going to happen? They go into their shadows. So let's talk about the shadows. Okay. And I'll talk about the king last. Right. The lover in his shadow in one pole, he's an addict. Can't get enough. It's all about just, I just want more and more and more and more, right? And on the other pole, he's impotent, <laughs> right? He, he can't even, he can't even connect and he, he tries other ways to finding ways to connect. The warrior, it's it, when he moves into shadows, he'll want to hurt someone. He's either a masochist or a sadist. He either hurts himself because he's not expressing that energy. It's not moving through. He finds a way to like put it on you. Mm. Put it on you. You take it. You see that all over. I mean, you go look at your Instagram feed in that little area and you see the junk. You know, we just get fed with this weird. So masochist or sadist. If he's not in service, if that energy is not moving for something greater than himself or being fully expressed, right? And we can, we'll come back to communities that foster the expression Mm -hmm. of these. My community is a community where men have the freedom of expressing that all those energies in their fullness. Mm -hmm. I hold the container. I run them through practices. I mean, you know, we get, we just get as primal as, as, as can be, you know, right. So that's the warrior and the magician will either become the manipulator 
He'll start manipulating to get what he needs. Mm. Or he becomes the innocent one. He'll manipulate and be like, I didn't do that. Right. See, it's all self-serving. Right. It's all self-serving. Now they say, if those three archetypes are in service to something greater, are in fact being fully expressed, they naturally give rise to the king. And the king, there's two ways to identify a true king. One, he's not in his shadow. One of his shadows is the tyrant. And we've seen plenty of those, right? Right, right. They run countries with an iron fist. They mm. put journalists in prison. They, any ascension, they kill, like, you know, my country right now is dealing with tyrants in their shadow. I'm from Iran, right? Mm. So one archetype or one shadow pole of the king is the tyrant and the other one is the weakling. This is the man who's lost his own voice in his marriage. Mm -hmm. he, he won't stand up for his own needs. He doesn't know how to draw boundaries. That's the other pole of the king. Now, the king in his fullness can also be identified in two ways. One, he brings order out of chaos in his kingdom. There is order in his kingdom. When you go into his kingdom, people are all doing what they want to do. The baker's baking. The you know the you know the 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 smith is working the iron. Like everyone's doing like they're they're doing their part in the kingdom. And the right. second piece, the biggest piece, is that regenerative um, life force energy is moving through his kingdom. The flowers are fucking blooming. The whole thing is growing. Right. Right. That's how you can see. And the final piece is that he has one foot on this plane and his other foot is in the heavens. And when we say the heavens, I don't mean outside of you. I mean with that flame that we talked about. Right. Right. Wow. That's, uh, you know, it's as, as myself, a teacher, they say, I don't know, maybe I'll go on a limb to say, they say game recognize game. Um, I, I, I love the, the teaching presence that you, that you bring. Um, and, and that's, that's part also of like transmitting knowledge and, and energy. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of, appreciative of, of your, of your teaching and, and the book King Warrior Magician Lover. It's a book that I started reading, um, a year ago. I, I gifted, gifted it to my, to my son. He's 23 mm. years old. Mm. Um, and, and we started reading it together as a book club. Um, mm. as a matter of fact, we are about at the conclusion we meet once a week and then we just read together to just you know exchange and 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 talk about about things and it, it makes me confront a lot of things for me yeah. um in terms of you know how i was raised um the things that i've that are things i notice in myself right the, the way that i behave the way that i move through the world and and also yeah. the way i want to to you know bring forth my kingdom as you as you put it right so so um that was really enlightening to to hear the the description of of the king and the warrior and the magician and the lover and, and their shadow side as well and i think that those are the ones that we have to tend to before we get to you know uh, uh, arrive at that at that higher at that higher self um you you mentioned as well that those things, although it's an individual path, it has ramification into the community. Um, how did your personal journey led you to explore and and and, and connect with that? How, how how did you get there? Thank you. Um, I would say that my initiation came at a very young age, and it it was. Um, in a couple of in a couple of uh, spaces, you know, one was a missing father. So my father was not present in my life. I I would see my father periodically till the age of, um, I would say eight and a half, nine, and then we left Iran, and I didn't see nor talk to him till I was uh, twenty two, and at the age of twenty two to twenty three, I I spent about six weeks with him. 
and then he went back to Iran and subsequently died. So I did not have my father. I, so my at first, my first cut, my first like primal wound was the missing father. Just was not. He was not even when I was even the first nine years, he wasn't present. We're not talking about love. He loved me more than anything. He had my name tattooed on his arm. He loved me. He just was. He was not able to be in my life. Okay, for his own reasons and his own path. Right. Then, growing up, I had no idea what it meant to be a man, and. A part of me unconsciously knew that I needed to sever the cord between me and my mother. Why? Because everything I saw, everything I learned was through her prism. And somewhere deep within me, I knew that I needed to cut that cord. Now, I didn't know how to do it. I wasn't even conscious to it. Mm. And I didn't have elders to lead me to do that in a healthy way. So I did it in the most painful, unhealthy way. I turned to drugs and alcohol. That's, that's how I severed the cord with her. Right. By the age of 23, I, had my, 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 I was already a complete mess. Complete mess. And I found myself at the doors of AA. So I, and then I started a path in Alcoholics Anonymous and I was in that program for 24 years, 24 years. I was in that path and on that path, I began becoming aware of other men that were deeply in their lives, that when they walked into a room, the room settled. When they talked to their children, there was something between them that I didn't have in my life. I wanted what they had. I wanted that depth. I wanted that connection. I wanted that sense of well-being and I didn't understand it. So I just, I just stayed really close to those men. And then soon after, I, you know, it, it was about, you know, finding a, men's groups. And, and ultimately I started working with men as I started healing, as I started to discover and discard so I started to work with men from the age of 23, 23, 24 until 2018, until 2018, I, my, I fed that part of me, not as a vocation, but as a way of self-healing and as a way of giving back. And I served in various different ways, individually coaching men, uh, running re retreats, running meditation circles. I, I was in the martial arts world for 20 plus years. So I was an instructor. And so I, I would mentor men that way. There was mm. always a part of me that wanted to work with men. And then 2018, I was asked to go teach at a retreat and also invited to participate. And in that retreat, it was a five-day retreat in the desert. I had I was a part of two practices that were that that somatically released certain charges that were so dormant that once they moved out of the way, I kid you not, it was like it was like a curtain just went and I saw I saw the second chapter of my life. I felt it wanted wanting to come through me, and that and right after that, I was also a professional actor. I came back. Told my agent I was done. Within a year, I had a, a company, a, a web design company. I walked away from that, even though it was making money. And I turned completely towards embodied masculine. And I've never looked back. And it has been the best decision I ever made in my life. In listening to, it was not a popular decision either. Like, you know, like I left AA after 24 years, you know, because my spiritual life was not expanding. You know, I, it kind of, I, that was my birthing process. I kind of birthed through that and uh, really now fully feel uh, in alignment with my dharma, fully feel like my sales are up and really everything I do is I do in deep devotion because I am, I, I am so, I'm so just grateful for everything that had my whole, my entire path. You know, everything right. has, has led me to, you know, all the pain, all the grief, all the, why did my last marriage break? And all, like, all like, 
I'm I'm remarried. I have, an, I have another child. I'm married to someone who's more in alignment with who I am, you know, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and you know. So uh, I'm I'm just loving life right now. You know, I'm right. just drink. Right. I'm drinking deeply from the cup. But anyway, that's a little bit of my story. Right, right. Well, thank you very much for sharing this and. And it's it's always interesting to see the arc of people's story, right? And and there's something that you mentioned here, the the rebirth, the the the, the birthing process, but it's another birth. It's not mm-hmm. it's not your only your physical birth, but there's something mm-hmm. physical about that as well, because it's through somatic work that you that you got that you got there. Now that in your story you mentioned that you were in AA, um and and that's something that was a big part of your life, and then you decided to to drop it and to go there. Mm-hmm. The question that I have is that what what anchors you when times are hard? Mm-hmm. We would we would think that you know um, knowing what I know from the recovery world is create that container for for people that are having a tough time and give them mm-hmm. uh, this, that that higher that higher sense of self, right? Um, so what anchors you when when mm-hmm. times are hard? It's a really great question because, you know, for so long, you know, AA was what I leaned into. And one of the principles in AA that I truly, truly believed was that, look, if my spiritual life is not expanding, if my impact in the world is not expanding and I feel there's something off, I need to listen to that. So for me, after 24 years of, of being in that community and really, um, really like it, it was such a part of like a, a part of my identity too but there was it's like a marriage that you know is kind of over but you don't want to look at it mm. because it's too painful to decouple after 20 plus years of marriage with a child you just don't want to look at it you know and i had to do that too by the way right. um and i i really had to get honest with myself and and like step into the unknown. And when I stepped into the unknown and left Alcoholics Anonymous, it, it's not a popular uh, move to make because in that community, they say, if you go out, you're, you're going to either drink or go and, and end up in an insane asylum. Not two great fucking options. And that's drilled into you. And it was drilled into me for 24 years. Now I'm eight years out of being in AA. I don't drink. But for me, my spiritual life, uh, I, I, I knew there was something deeper for me. I knew that my impact on the world was not working with one man here, one man there. And I had to actually step out into the unknown. I had to follow my heart in the darkness. It's in the unknown. It was in the unknown. And there was so much change happening in my life. Um, you know, that marriage was, that one marriage was ending. I had a business that was not doing well. My eldest daughter who's 25 now was taken off to to to, to um uh, to college but i really understood the value of being able to free fall into the unknown because it's really in the unknown that our senses are open to listening more to that inside voice when you know everything, you're on autopilot. <laughs> when you're free falling into the abyss, your senses start to heighten. And that's when I was really able to pick up some of the deeper messages that I needed to digest and integrate into my life. That's when I really realized that I was going to be okay with or without a wife, with or without my child. You know, I had attachments to the family system. I had attachments to my child's like well-being. Like I had all these fears and attachments. And when they started and money, mm. you know, when you're in a, have an attachment to money, you're a slave to money. You are that's your that's your divine. That's your God. If you're paying attention so much to that. So when all of it was falling off and I was falling deep, that's when I started to really be able to tune into to that. And I knew, I said, part of my training is going to be to put men in the state of the unknown perpetually. So Mm. all my programs like bring that element because I think it's so, so important to learn how to free fall 
because I, I have a little like no one is in control. <laughs> there is no like there is no there is no like the master of mind like moving things. It's just an isness, a beautiful isness that we're a part of. It's just mm. a beautiful isness that we are a part of, and we can free fall with our hands up and and drink in the beauty of this world, or we can cling and we can fight and we can be pissed off and we can become like chasers or we can become magnets to receiving life. I want to be a magnet and let life pour into me. And then I want to oh. give it back. That's how that's, I want to live my life. And that's, that's what I bring amazing. to the men that I work with. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, it's, it's, it's a great, you know, you, you, you know, the, the, the marks of a good teacher. I think that's the, that's the one thing that resonates a lot in that conversation that I have with you is, is how an amazing teacher you are. And, and I, I know that you are, you're from Iran and, and there's a poet that I love a lot, Rumi. And, and Rumi says, there is a, there's a voice that doesn't use word listen and when you mention about diving into the unknown it it brought that to me in terms of we don't need we, we probably need to just sit back dive into the unknown and then we will hear that little flame so it's an amazing way of of doing all the bridges for me when you were when you were speaking i had like notes that i has that i was taking and that i just like drop down and I, and I was like let's let's just embark into that journey so so that thank you very much for for sharing those those profound um those profound words with us before we let you go i'd like you to um of course i'm going to roll out the red carpet where people can find you where people can can find you on the web when people can 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 go deeper and and also if you what advice would you give someone who is new to men's work? Mm -hmm. um. mm -hmm. My advice is um, let the old tools, um, leave the old tools at the door. Um, bring kindness and, and generosity and, and the love of a maybe a grandmother or a mother to your edges instead of beating yourself into doing better, instead of judging yourself meet yourself where you're at meet yourself where you're at with love and kindness that would be my first um, uh, that would be one of the first pieces of advice that i would share with someone new mm -hmm. great great and where can people find you and 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 follow the beautiful things that you get to do as a as a mm. teacher and, and and facilitator and mm. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, embodiedmasculine.com is our website and you can learn more about me and my journey and the journey of birthing uh, this community, which is a beautiful, thriving community that's bigger than me. I simply play a role here. I just, mm -hmm. I just show up to my post. And so there's an incredible community that is available to anybody who wants to come play within our uh, ecosystem embodiedmasculine.com and I'm I'm somewhat I'm fairly active on uh, somewhat active on Instagram and and at Kaligi uh, it's K H A L I G H I and the last thing I'll say is that I didn't know that you're uh, 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 that you enjoyed Rumi I am uh, I I uh, devotionally love that mm. prophet of love I actually made a pilgrimage to Konya and visited his um, gravesite and spent some time there wow and um he uh his poetry were so instrumental uh for a three-year period in my life uh in helping me go through some really uh challenging um transitions um which birthed something else that i created in the world called belovedpoetry.com so if you ever want to go down the rabbit hole and listen to some renditions of rumi it is uh just free it's just out there and and um it um uh, it may it may uh lighten you up a little bit beautiful beautiful belovedpoetry.com for sure i will i will be using that in my classroom i'll be using that for my own own enjoyment as well um it was really a pleasure to have you with us amir kaligi 
from embodied masculine um it the the depth of knowledge and and i've always feel that whenever i spend time or truck on time with with guests it's i want more <laughs> so so the door is always open and i i i i'm very appreciative of your generosity so thank you very much for being with us on the teach reach podcast it's been my absolute pleasure and it has been such a delight to uh, have this conversation with you and to feel you I, we have a video so i can see your beautiful smile and and i'm sure you're you're doing your part um, uh, in the world and, and i honor that thank you very much thank you blessing to you thank you for listening to the teach reach podcast this podcast is produced by dr lemstein productions mixing and editing by ian lamb If you are enjoying this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give us a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at teachreach_podcast. For our regular listeners, we truly appreciate your support. Thank you. You can find more information about our podcast at teachreach.podbean.com. Until next time, Kembela Palagi. Hang in there. Don't give up.